Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Huh? Such a nice time to worship God. And oh, what a great moment we have this morning just to exalt his name. And I don't know about you, but I, I feel the spirit. I feel God's presence here already and ministering to our hearts and just lifting us up. And that's so great because this is the Resurrection Sunday we celebrate as he lifts our hearts up. And hopefully, you know, this morning will be a little oasis from your troubles and things going on in the world. And we could just come here and just be with Jesus. And so I'm just so excited to be here with you guys. And once again, happy Resurrection Day. And um, God bless you guys who are online too, connected right now. Well, this morning we're going to get into uh, the Word. And we're taking a break from our regular study through the book of Revelation. We're going to go to Mark chapter 16. So if you can grab your Bibles and open to Mark chapter 16. And we're going to be looking at the... Uh, resurrection story from March 16. And here we are uh, going to spend our time in the first seven verses as we just remind us again and just get back into this story as we celebrate Christ's resurrection. So Mark chapter 16 for our message this morning for Easter. All right, let's uh, pray one more time. Lord Jesus, we just bask in the warmth of your presence right now, Lord. God, how we need you, Lord, and how we need this time to give us a rest, to recharge, Lord, our hearts, to renew us. And God, just to be able to be with you is is our deepest heart uh, desire, Lord. And I pray as we get into your word, Lord, that we would sense your presence, that we would hear your voice, just as We've been sensing you just now and just this time of singing and worship before you. God, anoint your word with your spirit. And Lord, we do want to honor you with our attention and our heart because this is the day that we celebrate your resurrection. God, for what you have done for each one of us, we would not be here without you, Jesus Christ. And so we give you honor as we give you our attention, as we give you our heart, as we open our ears to hear what you want to say to us. So thank you, Jesus, for this moment. We give this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Years ago, I came across this story. Uh, This woman was in between flights at the airport. She had an hour to kill, so she picked up a small package of cookies and sat down at this table. While she began to look over her newspaper, she was surprised to hear that crinkling sound of the cellophane package of those cookies. And she peeked around the paper to find across from her a nicely dressed man sitting across and this total stranger opening the package of cookies, taking one out, and eating one. Well, that was totally unexpected. So not wanting to make a scene, she just kept the paper in front of her, reached around and grabbed the package, slid it back toward her, and then she took a cookie out and ate it. 
Few minutes later, she heard the crinkling of the cellophane packaging again. She peeked around the paper to find the same man was taking the very last cookie out of the package. Oh, that made her so mad. She's thinking in her mind, how could he take another cookie? Well, just then the man looked up and saw uh, her, this lady, giving him that stink eye. And so he broke that last cookie in half and slid the piece across to her. And he finished the half, her, his half, and picked up his briefcase and disappeared down the terminal. The woman was still upset when her flight was called for boarding. And as she approached the gate, she opened her purse to get her ticket. And to her surprise, lo and behold, was her package of unopened cookies. <laughs> All along, it wasn't her. And yes, somewhere in the airport that day, a man is shaking his head, wondering why a strange lady had the boldness to eat his cookies. <laughs> I think that's a funny story. How unexpected that must have been for both of them, right? Uh, th that man probably never saw this coming, a lady yeah, wanting his cookies. Well, so it is for a group of women that after Jesus died on the cross, that they find that he had risen from the dead. They didn't, they didn't see that coming. It was something totally unexpected. And that's the title of our message this morning. For our Resurrection Sunday, for Easter Sunday, is something totally unexpected. And we are going to be taking a look at Mark chapter 16 from verse 1 through 7 this morning. Now, in our passage, we're going to see three things, and this is our outline. Number one, the immovable obstacle. Number two, the impossible miracle. And number three, the important message. So those are the three things we're going to see. That's our outline in this passage, in the, our resurrection story, where these women find something totally unexpected. Well, let's begin with number one here, the immovable obstacle, the immovable obstacle. And here we're going to be in this section, we're going to cover verses one through four. Take a look with me here now. We're going to begin with verses one and two in Mark chapter 16. Now it reads here in verse one, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. Verse 2, and very early on the first day of the week when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. All right, we're going to stop here for now. Well, we begin with these words. Mark is writing this, and Mark says, when the Sabbath was passed. Well, when the Sabbath was over, when it was Paul, then the women went to the tomb. Now, you guys know the Sabbath, it began Friday at 6 p.m. It lasts till Saturday the next day at uh, 6 p.m. Jesus was put upon a cross on Friday at 9 a.m. in the morning. And by 3 p.m., he had died on the cross, died for all of our sins. Well, Right before the Sabbath began, there was a rush to put his body into the tomb. Uh, so it was a rush to get his body in there, which started at 6 p.m. So as soon as it was possible, these women, they went to the tomb. Verse 2 says, very early on the first day of the week, which puts us at uh, Sunday morning here. At sunrise, these women were at the tomb. 
And so Mark gives us a list of who came in verse 1. It was Mary Magdalene. Remember, she was healed of seven demons. Uh, Mary, the mother of James, uh, is one of the disciples. And then Salome, who is actually the mother of James and John, uh, uh, some other two disciples. In other Gospels, we find there's uh, some other women who were there. But these are the ones listed here, particularly in the book of Mark. So they came to the tomb at sunrise, and they brought these spices to anoint the body of Jesus Christ. Now, that was custom. It was Jewish custom to anoint the body and prepare the body for burial. But because there was a a rush before the Sabbath started, they never got that chance to anoint the body. Uh, So here they are. They return now to the tomb Sunday morning, three days later. And you got to understand that emotions are still riding high yeah there's it's still lingering right it, even though it's been three days so they're here at the tomb to give their proper respect to jesus to anoint the body and emotions are running high why because it's only been three days earlier that their beloved jesus had died on the cross we have to understand that jesus was their hope right we've been studying this in the 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 book of luke on wednesday night And we're getting to the crucifixion part. But we understand that Jesus was the hope for the Jews here, for the followers of Jesus. They they were hoping Jesus is the Messiah who's going to bring in the kingdom of God, who's going to take away the Roman oppression, that he was the one. But then he was killed. But then he died on the cross. So you can imagine, yeah, when there's a death, yeah, in our family or some loved one, we're, we're, we're just taken back. Imagine these who, who, this is their beloved Lord that they put all their hope in, but he died on the cross. You know, the disciples themselves, they were in much confusion at this time. And uh, on, on Thursday night, actually, when Jesus, right, right in the middle of the night, he, he, they came and arrested him in a garden Gethsemane. What happened to the disciples? They ran. They were gone. They, they were gone when Jesus, they all scattered and ran away. That was not something they expected either. But notice something here in our passage. Notice something here that even in, with these women, in their broken expectations, yeah, in their lost hope, in all of their confusion and what's going on, what do we find? They're here at the tomb. These ladies were still there at the tomb to give honor and respect to Jesus. You know what I wonder? Where's the disciples? Yeah? Why aren't they there? But you really see the loyalty of these women. And you ladies are going, yeah, see, we're better than the guys. Oh, a bunch of wimps they are. No, just joking. <laughs> yeah. But it kind of shows this heart that is in these ladies, right? These ladies were still there. You know what I think? Sometimes the greatest obstacle in our own life is broken expectations. Yeah? When things don't go your way, when things don't go in the way you plan, and even with the Lord, even with God, even those broken expectations, and some people are like, ah, oh, forget it, Lord, I'm gone. Yeah? Or the church, or I'm not coming to church anymore. Oh, because of this, because of broken expectations. 
lost hope, confusion. But these ladies were still there. And I think sometimes the greatest obstacle for us is broken expectations. And, and that can keep you from God, but only if you let it. Yeah? Only if you let it. And these guys, they didn't let whatever happened stop them from being there very early. First thing, as soon as they can, to be at the tomb, even when their beloved Jesus had died. You know, I think about Habakkuk chapter 3, uh, verse 17 and, and 18. Listen to this verse. I think it'll be on your screen too, but Habakkuk 3.17 says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there will be no herd in the stalls. Then Habakkuk 3.18 says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. I love that heart, right? No matter what, Lord, I'm not letting go. No matter what, Lord, I'm going to seek you. No matter if I understand it or not. No matter if I'm confused, I'm going to be there. Because you are God. You are my God. And that's what I see with these ladies here in our passage in Mark chapter 16. Well, it goes on here. Take a look at verse 3 and 4. It says, And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back, and it was very large. As the women walked toward the tomb now, they started thinking, they started wondering, wait a minute. Who will roll away the stone at the entrance of the tomb? Now, back then, ancient tombs were like this uh, cave, kind of carved out in the side of the hill, uh, side of a, a, a mountain. But that, that was a tomb, so it was carved out. And, and for a door was this huge, round kind of stone, almost like a wheel. And it was actually, we saw... Uh, uh, this uh, tomb in Israel and it looked like there was even a track a stone track on the bottom where it could be rolled and so these women are wondering who's going to roll away this very heavy huge stone they made them that way to keep like grave robbers out and everything and seal the tomb they're thinking well how are we going to do that they probably didn't even have a plan they just wanted to be with Jesus and so on the way they're going wait a minute how are, we, how are we going to get into the tomb to anoint the body with the spices? What, 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 what are we going to do with that? Well, verse 4, when they got to the tomb, it says, Looking up, they saw that that stone, that stone door, had been rolled back. They came through something totally unexpected. Somehow, the heavy stone was moved back. The door was already open when they got there. Something totally unexpected happened. What seemed to them like this impossible problem was already solved when they arrived. What seemed to them was this immovable obstacle for them to get to Jesus and be able to anoint the body it was already solved. How was that? Well, we know from a parallel passage in Matthew chapter 28 that there was actually, Matthew tells us, there's this huge earthquake. And this angel came down from heaven, the angel of the Lord, and the angel rolled away the, the stone and opened the door to the tomb. 
I kind of think the angel came and, and he took his finger, because they're very strong, and he just went, boop, and the stone went, <laughs> yeah. Maybe it took a couple of men to move the stone. But the angel, he just, probably his pinky, yeah, just went, here, and went, <laughs> and moved the stone, yeah. Now, Matthew tells us there was also guards, yeah. They're watching over the tomb, make sure, because uh, um, the Jews thought, oh, maybe the disciples will come and steal the body and make it seem like, the, you know, Jesus rose again from the dead. But the guards, when they saw the angel, they actually fainted, yeah. And we see by the time the women get to the tomb, the guards aren't there. So probably, probably they, they woke up and go, ah, we're getting out here and ran away. So you see that there was these obstacles in front of the women as they're walking to the tomb and thinking, what are we going to do? Well, when the women got to the tomb, the obstacle of the stone and even the soldiers guarding the tomb was all what? taken care of by the Lord. It was all taken care of. So, here's what we see in this, is, in this first section. Here's what I want you to get into your heart. God is greater than any problem or any immovable obstacle. Know that today. These ladies face a lot of things, obstacles, yeah? Guards, the stone. Oh no, what are we going to do? But God is greater than any problem. Let that sink into your heart. And any immovable seeming obstacle to you, God can take care of it. No worries. Amy Carmichael, a missionary to India, once said, Let us look out for the angels when impossible things lie ahead. Think of impossibilities being turned into seats for angels. She writes that because in Matthew, the angel sat on the stone. I think when he opened the tomb and the angel sat on the stone uh, and sitting there, he, she, the angel probably waved to the guards and said, Aloha, and then they probably fainted, you know, at that. Yeah. But she says, look, let us look out for the angels when impossible things lie ahead. Think of impossibilities being turned into seats for angels. Have we not a wonderful God? And isn't that true? Have we not a wonderful, powerful God? Don't ever think God will be stopped in doing His will, in doing His work because of problems. Don't think that God cannot get past obstacles that stand in the way. Think about it this way. Immovable obstacles are actually God's opportunities to show you that He is your God. He is your God. That He's there for you. He's there with you. He's there working things out. So no worries if you get that obstacle. No worries if, 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 if there's a problem. If, if, think about these ladies. Their whole world had fallen apart. They were following Jesus. They're one of the followers. You had the disciples and the women went with Jesus too. But think about it. Now Jesus died and their whole world just blew apart. Everything's out of control now. You know, I was thinking about that. That's hard for us, isn't it? When things are out of control. Think about it this way. When, when, when your regular routines yeah, are going, hey, life is good. When expectations of what you think should happen, hey, it's good. We get used to yeah, life going on that way. We get used to that mode. 
When life is predictable, yeah, we feel secure, don't we? We feel, oh, okay, we're all right. We can make it. But when things don't go the way we like, when things don't run smoothly, when things get hard, then it's like, oh, God, what's going on? What's happening? When things happen where there seems like there's obstacles blocking us from our happiness, blocking us from what we think should happen, blocking us from what we think God should do, we're like, ah, we're confused. Lord, I prayed. Lord, I went to church. Lord, I've been seeking you. What's going on? What's happening? We were following you and then this happened? I don't understand. But when things like that happen, know that God, He can move those immovable obstacles. He has the power. He can work. And just because it's there, it doesn't mean God is not working. You know what we got to do? We got to run to God. These these guys went to the tomb no matter what, yeah? We got to run to Jesus. We got to take refuge in God. We need to like the psalmist said, go to the rock, yeah, that is higher than us. Where we can we can swim there and and find safety on that rock. That's what we need to do. And I like these women. No matter what, they went there thinking that's where Jesus is. We're going to go. And we need to have that same loyalty. And if you do that, guarantee you will see something totally unexpected go on. All right, so we see number one, the immovable obstacle. The immovable obstacle. Number two in our outline is the impossible miracle. The impossible miracle. And here we're going to look at verse 5 and 6. Verse 5 and 6. Take a look at verse 5. And entering... The tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. Let's stop there for a moment. Now, when they saw this, when they came upon the tomb and the stone was rolled away, they went and peeked inside. And when they were like peeking inside, they saw this young man, and this young man was dressed in white. He dressed up for Easter, yeah, just like all of you fine people dressed up. Yeah, rest of you, it's okay. No judgment. There's grace. No, just joking. But here's this young man dressed in white. You know who this was? This was an angel. And though dressed in white was the glory of heaven shining out from him. So here's this angel now. And the angel is sitting, we read uh, on verse 5, on the right side of where Jesus was laid down on this like a shelf kind of thing in the tomb. And so they look in, here's this young man, and, and then look in verse uh, 5, it says at the end, and they, the women, were alarmed. They were in shock. They were wondering, wait, 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 what, what, what's going on here? Where's the body? And what, an angel? What is this? So they're totally alarmed. Can you imagine like them peeking in and expecting the body? I mean, already they're like, whoa, what's going on? They look in, and all of a sudden, there's an angel? And the body's gone? Could you imagine, like, if, if, the, if someone snapped a picture on Instagram, their face, you know? Like, what is going on here? What's happening? Well, look at verse 6. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. 
He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. So the angel responded to their alarm, their shock there. And he says, hey, don't be alarmed. Don't, don't, don't be shocked here. Uh, some other passages in, in like Matthew, Mark, the angel is like, don't be afraid here. Don't be in fear of what's going on here. No worries here. I know you've come. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who is crucified. In other words, you're looking for Jesus. You're looking for his lifeless body, the one who had died three days ago. No, don't worry. Don't be alarmed. Angel's like, guess what? Guess what? He then says, he has risen. He is not here. Matter of fact, go look. Look, look at the place. See the place where, where, where they had laid him. See for yourself. See with your own eyes. See that, look, the body is gone. See that, that means Jesus is is alive. He is risen from the dead. Paul, see, look at this. This is something totally unexpected. The empty tomb without the body of Jesus says that Jesus is risen from the dead. He is risen, you guys. That's why we're here. That's why we celebrate. That's why we have special service. Because he is risen. 2,000 years ago, the most amazing thing happened. Something totally unexpected from what the disciples thought, from what these women thought. He is risen. Jesus is alive. Amen? It's been said that the stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out but to let the world in and see that the tomb is empty. So it wasn't like the angel moved the stone so Jesus could come out. That's not what we see in the Gospels. He was already gone. He was already resurrected. It was so that we can go in and see the empty tomb. And we have this account in front of us in Mark just for that fact. We're reading what happened here so we can take a peek ourselves into the tomb and see the same thing. Jesus, who died, is risen from the dead. This is the impossible miracle. And here's what I want you to see. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and the empty tomb means Jesus is alive. Do you see that? That's why it's so important we understand today what we're looking at. Jesus, who is dead, is alive. Jesus, who died on a cross three days earlier, is alive on the third day. Jesus is alive. He's alive right now. We don't follow a dead prophet, yeah, like many other religions in the world do. But we follow the one and true God, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth to die for our sins and tend to rise again from the dead. And he's alive right now. Now, I want you to understand a little bit more what this empty tomb means. What's the significance of that? And number one, I want you to understand this. The empty tomb validates the atonement of Jesus. It it validates. His resurrection validates it. I mean, if you look at the cross, like the one we have in the corner, it's a symbol of God's love, right? It's a symbol of God's atonement for our sins. Jesus shed his blood as the Lamb of God to pay the penalty for our sins. That's atonement. 
Uh, it's so that we can be forgiven, right? It's so that this, this, uh, uh, our sins will be atoned for by the, the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, think about this. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then that would mean his payment wasn't complete. That would mean that it wasn't enough. But Jesus did rise from the dead. And what does that mean? That his death did pay for our sins. So that means Jesus being risen, that means you can be forgiven of your sins. Understand that. So even though we're, Good Friday was about his death on the cross, today we celebrate the resurrection, but it still speaks of that. And it still speaks of how his blood that was shed means we can be forgiven because Jesus rising from the dead means Jesus did now conquer sin. Jesus did conquer death. Jesus did overtake and have power over sin and death. So you know what? He can take care of that problem in us too. So understand that today. So number one, the empty tomb validates the atonement of Jesus. But number two, the empty tomb assures believers of a future in heaven. John eleven twenty five says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. That means, yet shall you rise again. You will be resurrected too. So the empty tomb assures that, you know what? We're going to be resurrected after we die. And we're going to have a life. A life where? In heaven. We're going to have our glorified bodies. Because Jesus rose again from the dead. So will you and I who believe in Jesus. Which means there is life after death. So this Resurrection Sunday, as we celebrate Christ's resurrection, it also tells us, we have heaven, you guys. We will also follow Jesus in his resurrection, and we will be resurrected and live a life in heaven. Number three, the empty tomb means a new life in Christ today, you guys. Today. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You know, before Jesus was in our life, uh, Paul says in Ephesians 2 that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. That we were spiritually dead inside. That we had no relationship with Christ, with God. We, we, we had no spiritual life because we're dead because of our sins. But now, when we accept Christ, when we commit our lives to Him, when we receive Jesus, you know what? The Holy Spirit comes into us and regenerates us. He makes us into a new creation, a new person. And we're made alive today, you guys. It's not just, oh, we're going to get a resurrected body and live in heaven. But we become new today, a new person. And we start changing from the inside out as a new creation. And that's because Jesus died and rose again and the tomb is empty. And it tells us that, that we are new creation. We're sure of that because Jesus rose again from the dead. What if he didn't? We would be in question, wait, um, are we going to, can we be a new person, really? Can we really uh, 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 come alive from the deadness of our sins? No, the resurrection tells us we can be. Look at, um, like up here on the stage, we have these Easter lilies. Yeah? 
And, and these lilies, they come out in Easter. They're the flower of Easter, right? Why? Because they represent new life. They represent coming up from the dead because these lilies lily started out as a dead bulb, basically, this big seed planted in the soil, and then they sprout up and bloom. Well, that's our life because of Christ, you guys. We uh, who were spiritually dead are now made alive in Jesus Christ today. And you know what? Your life can bloom. Your life is blooming in Christ like never before. I don't know about you guys, how long you've been with the Lord, but you know I'm finding, even as I get older, that God continues to bring blooms into my spiritual life. That I'm growing and falling in love with Christ more and more and, and, and getting rid of more and more of my sins and becoming more and more of what God wants me to be. That's that, that process and that's that new life that we can bloom and be beautiful before God. Because Jesus rose again from the dead, you guys. Well, number four, our last thing I want you to see is that the empty tomb proves God's word is true. At least three times Jesus told the disciples that, you know what, I got to go to Jerusalem, and when I go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be betrayed. And when I get betrayed, I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of the religious leaders. And they're going to accuse me. They're going to condemn me. I'm going to be condemned. I'm going to be handed over one time even, Jesus said. And I'm going to be handed over and then I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be crucified. So many times Jesus said that before all of this happened now. It wasn't like some unfortunate thing happened to Jesus. No, he knew what was well, what he was heading into. And he willingly head into this. And, and he told the disciples, here's what's going to happen. But you know what he also said? At the end of sharing all of this, that he's going to end up being killed, that he's going to die, you know what he also sh- shared? On the third day, I will rise again. Yeah. And you know, I don't know what happened to the disciples or the women. Maybe they missed that part. Because what we're reading here was totally unexpected. But we can see today, we can know today that Jesus rose from the dead just like He said He would. And you know what that tells me? You can trust what Jesus says, right? You can trust His Word. You can read the words of Jesus here in the Gospels. And you could trust what He says is true. And the resurrection proves that. You can trust what the Bible says is God's word. And you can, you can trust that it will come true. What God says, all the prophecies of the end, because all the prophecies of his first coming came all true and were fulfilled. You can trust God that when he says, I can save you, that he's going to save you. You can trust God when he says in his word that I can free you from the bondage of sin, that he's going to do that. You can trust God that I have heaven for you, and I have it ready for you. You can trust that that is true for your future. Your future is secure. You can trust God that what He promises will come true. That if He's going to be with you and never leave you, you can trust in that. That He's going to help you, you can trust in that. That He's going to change you, you can trust in that. You can trust all of God's teachings. You can trust all of God's promises to be true. You know why? 
Because the resurrection proves that Jesus, his word, is true to us. That's why. There's so much we can see. There's even more stuff, but I just want to give you those four that you can trust Jesus and all these things, and you can trust whatever he says. If he says, hey, I'm going to rise again in three days, on the third day, you know that's going to happen. Someone wrote a little um, kind of a a fun little thing um, talking about when Joseph of Arimathea who had supplied the tomb for Jesus, remember, and, 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 and he, he made available to put Jesus' body in there. Well, another person had pulled him aside. And that other person pulled him aside and said, Joseph, you know, that tomb, it's so beautiful. It, it's so expensive and costly. This hand-carved tomb, why would you even think about giving it to someone else to be buried in? Well, Joseph just smiled and said, why not? He said he only needed it for the weekend. (laughs) I like that one. Will you hear today the angel's invitation? I mean, he invited the ladies, come, come, look, yeah? Don't be alarmed. Come in, see the place where where they had laid him. But the body's not there. Jesus is risen from the dead. Jesus is alive. Will you also hear the angel's invitation inviting you to come and see the empty tomb and understand what all that means? To see that Jesus has risen from the dead. And you know what? Jesus can rise in your heart and in your life and give you new life today. That's that's our Jesus. That's our Jesus. And you'll find something totally unexpected. Well, let's go to number three here. The important message. The important message. We have number one, the immovable obstacle. Number two, the impossible miracle. And now number three, the important message. And, you know, this verse is one of my most favorite verses in the Bible. And and let's see why. So verse 7, it says, But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So the angel now gives these women a little bit more instruction. And this is from Jesus himself. So the angel is passing this message on to these women. And so the angel says, now, go now. Go tell the disciples. Basically, tell the disciples what you've seen. You've seen an empty tomb, no body there. You've seen the stone rolled away. You see me, an angel, giving this message. What? Tell the dis- go tell the disciples that he is risen. Jesus is alive. He's not dead. And then he's, uh, the angel, with this message from the Lord, said, tell the disciples... Uh, look at the rest of verse 7. It says that Jesus, he's going before you in Galilee. In other words, he's going to go and meet you in Galilee. Right now, they're in the area of Judea. Jerusalem is in the, where Jesus died and was buried. Is in Jerusalem. It's in the southern county, so to speak. The northern county, we would say, is like Galilee in the north. And so go, go to Galilee. Go back home over there. And Jesus, he'll meet you there. And he'll meet up with you. Just as he told you. And Jesus, that was another thing he predicted. You know, after I rise again, meet me in Galilee. 
And I like how the angel's like, you will see him there. Let, let the disciples know that, hey, when you go over there, you're going to see him too. You're going to see him alive. So the message went to the disciples to, that Jesus wants to meet them. You know what he's saying? The message is saying, hey, Jesus is saying he wants to see you. Jesus is like, I want to see you guys. I want to meet with you guys. To me, that's something maybe unexpected totally for these disciples because they had abandoned him, right? They, they, had, they, they ran away when Jesus needed them the most. But Jesus graces, graciously still wanted to meet with them. You know what I was thinking about? What if they said, I don't know. No, I don't, I don't think Jesus would want to see me, you know. I don't know. I abandoned him, and, and I don't know. But this is a message through the angel from Jesus, right? What if they didn't go? They wouldn't have seen the resurrected Jesus. I was thinking about that. There's an old hymn called, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And it just came to mind, there's a verse in there that says, Oh, what grace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. You hear what that is saying? If we don't go to prayer, we miss out in that grace. We, we miss out in God's healing and His help. If we don't bring our burdens to God, then we don't get that, that, that strength and that comfort. So Jesus is calling them, come, come, come meet me in Galilee. Now, I want you to notice something here, and I think this is the best part of verse 7. The angel, giving this message to the women, go tell his disciples, and who? What does it say? Peter. And Peter. Peter is singled out here now. But why? Why is that? I mean, why not John, right? Actually, John was the only disciple who was at the foot of the cross, right? John and Jesus' mother Mary. We read that in the Gospels. Why not sing out John? Because he seemed to be the only faithful guy. All the other disciples ran away. What about Peter? Why not James or one of the other ones? Why Peter? You know why? Because after Jesus was arrested, Peter was the one who really failed Jesus the worst. You know why? Because he openly denied Jesus. You know the story, right? And not just once, not just two times, but three times he openly denied Jesus. And on top of it all, on the last night of Christ's life, you know, and, and during the Lord's Supper and after, and Jesus was talking, Jesus warned, specifically warned Peter, hey, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, no way. All the other guys, they'll, 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 they're, they're going to fail you, but not me, Lord. I'm committed. I'm loyal. I'm not going to do that. But who was the one who did? Peter. It was Peter. Peter denied the very Son of God. He did the worst thing ever. Can you imagine how Peter was feeling? Yeah. I mean, the disciples probably felt bad, but this was a good message. Hey, Jesus is going to meet you there. But probably 
Peter thought, I, I, he was probably the one that was saying, I can't go. No ways. I did the worst. Yeah. No ways. He doesn't want me there. No ways. Imagine how he was feeling. He must have been so, so depressed. Yeah. I mean, you guys know, right? When, when we sin before God and we have that regret just eating us. Yeah. And, 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 and think about Peter. He can still hear Jesus saying, hey, Peter, you're going to deny me. And, and that's just playing in his mind and just pushing him down and crushing him in his guilt and in his pain and in his sorrow and regret. In Luke chapter 22, verse 62, it says that right after he denied him the third time, it says Peter went out and wept bitterly. That's how we know that Oh, he was in the dumps in all of this. But isn't it great that in this message sent to the disciples, the angel says, hey, go tell his disciples and Peter. Not but Peter, but and Peter. Have you felt that kind of shame, that guilt? have that regret maybe you feel that this morning maybe you're connected online and 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 you're just desperate to hear from god because you're just being buried under that guilt and remorse perhaps you're just just wanting to hear something from god but guess what as it was with peter god is speaking to you this is the important message this is Maybe something totally unexpected, but Jesus is calling out to you. Here's what I want you to see. Our last point for this morning is this. Jesus reaches out again, for God is a God of second chances. Isn't that great to know? God is a God of second chances. How many times have we failed the Lord? How many times have we sinned? But you know, His blood covers all of our sins. And here's Jesus calling out to Peter, specifically naming him, Peter, come. Peter, come. Meet me there also. Jesus reaches out again, for God is a God of second chances. You know, I read about this um, young driver in Idaho, and she was driving the, uh, this car in the neighborhood, but she was going around and around the block in reverse. She had the gear in reverse. She was just going backwards, around and around and around. Well, when the police finally stopped her, she explained that her parents had let her use the car, but she put too many miles on it. So she said, I'm just trying to unwind some of it. (laughs) Yeah, that's why she was going reverse, right? And we know that doesn't work, right? The mechanics of, 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 you know, how the dial works. You can't reverse the miles, right? But don't you wish sometimes in life we could? <laughs> don't you wish we could go back and reverse and do things over? Don't you wish that, that in our mistakes and failures we can do over again and do them better? But we can't. We cannot. But you know what we can do is we can go forward. We can move forward in Jesus, but he, because he can forgive us, 
and he can give us a second chance because God is a God of second chances. So perhaps you're here or connected online and perhaps your, your, your heart is aching because of your failures. Perhaps you, you had prayed to receive Christ years ago, but you wandered away. And you got caught up in the world. Or you got caught up in your own sins that Christ has actually had freed you from. And you're back into that old life. And you want to come back. Will Jesus receive me? How can he? How can he receive me again? When, when, when I, I had asked for prayer and he helped me and he saved me. But now, look, I made a bunch of mistakes again. I'm, I'm back in this old life. Will he receive me? Let me tell you, yes. Because God is a God of second chances. And Christ's blood covers all of your sin. And Jesus can forgive you and will forgive you if we only come to him, confess our sins and repent of our sins. That's all we need to do. Just as it was for Peter, so it can be for you. And on this resurrection morning, we see that Jesus rose again from the dead and that his love is still reaching out to the disciples who, who they were his guys and they ran away. But just say, no, come, come. And he wants to bring them back. So he can do that for you too and give you a second chance. I'll close with this. When Thomas Edison was working on a new invention called the light bulb, the light bulb, a whole team of guys uh, it took them 24 straight hours to, to, after all the research and experiments, put the first light bulb together. 24 hours. They worked super hard on it. Well, Edison happened to pick a young boy helper who was helping out there to carry it upstairs from the lab to present to the world. Carefully, he went up, but he was nervous. And you know what? He accidentally dropped it. Well, it was... Back to the drawing board, as we say. Another 24 hours, they went and worked on another one, and they built another one. Well, who was to carry this precious bulb and present it to the world? Who was to do that this time? You know what Thomas Edison did? He gave the job to the same young boy. Maybe that sounds crazy, but that's how God works, too. That's how his grace is. That's how his love is. That's how his compassion is. That's how his patience is. That's God. So if you feel like you failed the Lord, God is saying, come anyway. You feel like you sinned so bad that maybe you're unworthy of God. God said, no, I died for you. You're worthy of it. I want you to come. Perhaps you've never... Uh, uh, prayed to receive Christ and you're thinking I don't, I don't know are you sure I did some bad things but Jesus said is saying no I died and I rose again for you so I, I can rescue you and bring you into my life to bring a relationship with you together to make you a child of God you know in our mind it's hard to imagine but God doesn't have our mind (laughs) 
good thing. Yeah. God, his mind, his heart is bigger than anything we can imagine. So come to him and see what God can do for you, what he did for Peter, what he did for so many. Let him do something totally unexpected. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you, Jesus Christ, and oh, this story is so amazing, Lord. As we have put our attention upon your resurrection and what happened on that day, God, I am amazed of all that, God, that you have shown us today, and most importantly, that you are a God of second chances. That, Lord, even if we failed you, even being a believer, we failed you. God, you're still there reaching out to us, and you're reaching out to us right now. And so, Lord, I, I, I pray, God, for each one of us, everyone in this room and anyone connected online, that this would be a moment, this would be a day, that this would be a time where, where we dedicate our lives to you. Lord, I pray for anyone who never has done that before, that this will be the day of salvation, Resurrection, Resurrection Sunday, Lord. I pray for anyone who has wandered from you and they know they need to recommit to you that they, this will be the day, Lord. And God, I pray for the rest of us, Lord, that we would understand, Lord, how great the resurrection is, that the power that raised you from the dead is inside of us and can raise us up from the deadness that we still may struggle with. God, thank you. We look forward, God, to you doing something totally unexpected, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, at this time, I, I want to take a moment for you guys. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to worship a couple more songs before we... I let you go, but I think it's important that you take this time in your own heart, wherever you are with the Lord, to go to Him. Whatever struggles you have to bring to Him, whatever that is, that let this moment be the time where you run to God, that you come to God, that you understand what it means that Jesus rose again from the dead. Yeah? And what that means in your life particularly. I named four things. Perhaps God is speaking to you about that right now. Let's go before the Lord. Yeah? And give Him our heart. Let's stop living like in the past before the resurrection. But let's live in the now that Jesus is risen from the dead and he's alive today. So let's bring those things to the Lord. And for those of you who need to recommit your life to God, go to him now. Those of you who never received Christ, let's come before Jesus right now. So let's worship him. <laughs>